the goal in our life to always bless you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So his given name was Nicholas Herman, and he was born somewhere around 1610 in Hedimil, France. We don't know his actual birth date because the parish uh, that he belonged to, which is where the birth records were kept in those days, uh, was burned uh, in a fire. Uh, but he didn't have a whole lot of education and uh, while growing up. But what little education he did receive uh, came from the priest of his parish, Father Lawrence, a man that he greatly admired and looked up to. When he was old enough, he joined the army, uh, mainly because he was poor and going into the army, he knew he'd at least get three meals a day and a small stipend. And he was also involved in the Thirty Years' War, which was a war that was fought in kind of Central Europe between 1618 and 1648. It actually started out uh, with uh, Protestants versus Catholics because Ferdinand II, who was the Roman emperor of the time, uh, decided that he wanted the entire Roman Empire to be Catholic. And so he tried to make that happen, and the Protestants stood up in rebellion, and that started a war. I'm not sure what it ended up being, but, uh, but, but that, that, that's what started it. Anyway, uh, Herman was uh, hurt. He was uh, almost fatally wounded uh, in this war, which left him crippled for the rest of his life and in chronic pain. When he was discharged uh, from the army and recovered from his injuries, he served for a time as a footman or a valet, uh, basically a, a manservant to anybody that would hire him. When he was about 24, uh, he entered the Descalced Carmelite Monastery in Paris as a lay brother, not having the education necessary to become a cleric, and took the religious name Lawrence of the Resurrection. He was assigned to the kitchen, and it was in the kitchen, not in the library or the chapel, amidst the tedious chores of cooking and cleaning and the constant bidding of his superiors that he developed his rule of spirituality and works. He learned an important lesson through each daily chore. The time he spent in communion with the Lord should be the same whether he was bustling around the kitchen or on his knees in prayer. He learned to cultivate the deep presence of God so thoroughly in his own heart that he was able to joyfully exclaim, I'm doing now what I will do for all eternity. Yet it might be so simple, excuse me, I am blessing God, praising Him, adoring Him, and loving Him with all of my heart. He said, men invent means and methods of coming at God's love. They learn rules and set up devices to remind them of that love. And it seems like a world of trouble to bring oneself into the conscious, conscientiousness presence of God. Yet it might be so simple. It is not quicker and easier or is it not quicker and easier just to do our common business wholly for the love of him? For Brother Lawrence, common business, no matter how mundane or routine, was the medium for God's love. Practicing the presence of God was an opportunity to thank God and praise God for all that he had done and all that he was going to do and all that he was able to do. And that brings us to our text uh, for today, which I'd like for us to read together. And we'll spend a little bit of time in Psalm 148. So if you would read along with me. Oh, I'm clicking, sorry. I got the clicker, my bad. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly host. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and <clears throat> above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at His command they were created, and He established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures, and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do His bidding, you mountains and all His hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes, all rulers on earth, young men and women, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens, and He has raised up for His people a horn, the praise of all His faithful servants of Israel, the people close to His heart, praise the Lord. That screen is a little hard to see all the way back there. Um, this thing is not working, and we're fixing to... Well, I'm fixing to have a fit with it if <laughs> we don't do something. <laughs> anyway, Psalm 148 is uh, the third of five final Hallel uh, Psalms, which are basically 146 through 150. They all begin and end with the word, praise the Lord, which is from the Hebrew, hallelujah. Okay, I have no idea what that Hebrew letter is, but I wanted to be like Scott and give you all a... So, Scott, if you're watching, this is for you, okay? Um, but it means, it means hallelujah, it means praise the Lord. Uh, the words of the hymns that we just sang, thank you, Phil, by the way, two of, those, two of those songs are almost verbatim, hallelujah, praise Jehovah, and praise the Lord to what this psalm, uh, to the words of this psalm that we just read. In this psalm, all, the word all, which is used nine times, all of creation is summoned together to give praise to God, who is its initial source of and final resource for being. The word praise, which is used ten times, is in the imperative verb form, which makes it not simply an invitation, but a command to give glory to God. The first six verses focus on the outer reaches of the universe, the heavens, heights, angels, sun, moon, and stars. And as if that is not enough, the highest of heavens... And the waters above the heavens, which in Hebrew cosmology basically amounts to the exhaustive uh, reference to everything that is out there. So it's almost like the psalmist is, is uh, trying to cover all of his bases and making sure that everything knows that it was created to praise the Lord. And then the next seven verses focus on all the elements of the earth, the fish and everything that's in the seas, lightning, hail, snow, clouds, winds, mountains and valleys, fruit trees and non-fruit trees, wild and domestic animals, big and small, birds, people in power and those who are not, men, women, and children. Everything that has breath is to praise the Lord, Psalm 150, verse 6. But not only that which has breath, but also that which does not have breath is to praise the Lord. Nothing or no one is any more or less important because all were created to praise the Lord. Someone once told me that of, out of all the things that God created, man, you and I, 
uh, are the only beings that never have seemed to figure out exactly what is our purpose. Think about it. What do cows do? They graze and they give milk and they give meat. Why? Because that's what God made them to do. You know, that, 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 that's what he made them to do and that's what they do. Uh, what do monkeys do? They swing from tree to tree and they make funny faces at you at the zoo, you know, because that's what God created them to do. What about flies and gnats? You know, they, they're a, a, a nuisance. <laughs> they do nothing but pester and annoy. Why? I guess maybe I'm going too far. That's what God made them to do. You know, God, everything that God did and made, he gave a purpose to. And everyone does that. Uh, we go to New Mexico or Colorado and we ooh and ah at the grandeur of the mountains. We enjoy the trails or the slopes. We gasp with awe at the beauty and majesty of what we can see far and near. Why? Because God made them and in pleasuring us, they bring glory to him. We post pictures of our gorgeous West Texas sunsets and comment on the masterpiece that God painted as the sun is setting and all the sun, the sky, the clouds, and the reflections from the earth are doing is basically what God made them to do. They're praising Him. When flowers bloom and aspens quake, they bring glory to God. God is enthroned on the praises of His creation. But what about us? What is our purpose? People ask me that question all the time, and I honestly, years ago, I asked myself that question. What is my purpose? What am I here for? And, and, and one thing I want to clarify here, I, I believe there's, we're going to talk about gifts in just a minute, but I, I, in my opinion, this is my opinion, but I believe that there's a difference between what my purpose is and what my gift is, okay? My purpose, I think it's pretty evident, is to praise the Lord. My purpose is to glorify God in anything and everything that I do. Um, Sorry, I got lost. Um, so it's, it's to glorify God, but what does that look like? So as I was kind of preparing and, and, and reading through materials, I remembered a book that I came across about 15 years ago. And um, honestly, when it first came out, I resisted reading it because it was kind of the brand new thing. And I don't typically do the brand new thing. Uh, I usually wait a little while before... Uh, I guess to see if the fad's going to wear off or see if it's really what it is. Um, but anyway, long story short, uh, about two years after it came out, I read the book. Uh, it's, it, the, the book was, uh, or is, The Purpose Driven Life. I don't know if any of you have ever read that book. It is an excellent book. I would, I would recommend it. It's got some bones in it you may have to spit out, but it's by Rick Warren, uh, who is um, a minister out in um, Southern California. Um, but I learned a lot from that book. And the premise of the book is, what on earth am I here for? So for the next few minutes, I just want to give you a quick synopsis of, of, of that book and, and let you know or remind you of what your purpose is, which again is to praise the Lord. So purpose number one, you were planned for God's pleasure. None of us was an accident. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind and settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Paul said that in Ephesians 1.4. And our life matters because 
everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Paul said that in Colossians 1.16. We bring pleasure to God. We bless him when we worship him, when we praise his name. John Piper defines worship by saying, worship is a way of gladly reflecting back to God the radiance of his worth. Worship is who we are. It is born uh, in our hearts. And it is not just what we do uh, when we gather here. It is, as Brother Lawrence said, um, practicing the making uh, practicing the presence of God in every aspect of our lives. Okay, so we give praise to God by simply fulfilling our functions in life. Every time uh, you get up in the morning, you know, you're praising God because you, you were made to go to sleep. Actually, you're praising God when you're sleeping, too, because he made you to go to sleep. So when you get up in the morning, you're praising God. When you go to work, uh, to school or to the store, you're praising God because you're doing what he made you to do. Every time you change a diaper, prepare a meal, clean a house or clean your house, clean a house, mow your yard, you're praising God. Anytime you serve, volunteer, give, however you exercise your abilities, you're praising God because that's what God made you to do. Purpose number two. Thank you. I got lost. Um, you were formed for God's family. Okay, we were meant to be in fellowship. God never intended for us to be alone. Is that? Oh, wait, I went all the way back to there we go. Um, okay, we were meant to be in fellowship. Um, and that was that was evident when God created Adam and Eve because he created Adam and then he said it's not good for him to be alone. So I'm going to create Eve. So he made that in, in, in one of the reasons why we come together is so that we can be together as a family. Fellowship is, is membership. It, it's making a commitment. It's making a commitment to be, to be a part of a, of a Christian body. Um, I know some of you aren't uh, officially members. I know you visit here on a regular basis. That's great. Um, but we would like for you to actually become members, to, to put yourself under the, the shepherding of our elders, uh, of, of our leaders, and, and be a formal part of this church that, that um, I was thinking we want to put you in the, on the directory or put you on the roll. And it made me think of, um, I don't know how many of you saw the movie The Jerk years ago with Steve Martin. <laughs> but uh, it was a big deal when he got his phone because his name came out in the phone book, you know. And he remembered uh, when he got the phone book, he opened it up and he found his name and he started jumping around. I'm somebody, I'm somebody, my name is in the phone book. Uh, we want you on the roll because we want you to be somebody, okay? No, you're somebody just because. But, but we, want you to be, we want you to be members. Uh, it's also friendship. It's making commitment to love. Uh, not only do I want to be a part of this family, but I want to be an intimate part of this family. I want to get to know you. Um, I, I hope, um, well, I, I mean, I try. I go out of my way to say hi to everybody, to introduce myself to, to new people. Sometimes I introduce myself to people that I already know. Um, but, you know, don't be afraid to, to, uh, to, to, to get involved, to introduce yourself, to, to get to know the people uh, that are around you. Uh, we want to be a part of each other's story. We want to walk alongside each other. We want to intertwine. 
It's partnership. It's making commitment to serve. It's, it's, it's not just simply coming here and sitting. It's, it's getting involved. It's doing something. One of the things that uh, one of Phil's responsibilities, we, uh, if he's hired as our new associate minister of families and connection, okay? One of his responsibilities is going to be connecting people, not only with each other, but with things that can be done. Um, of course, obviously, any of us are, are, are willing to do that. Um, I know some of you, I tap you on the shoulder to see if you want to, like, say a prayer or do something. And some of you are sure, yeah, anytime. Some of you are like, nope, I'd prefer to stay back in the background. That's perfectly fine. But everybody has a place. Everybody is called uh, to serve. And then finally, kinship. Uh, it's being devoted to one another, being there for each other, whether it's the good times or the bad times. Ephesians 4.16 says that under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Purpose number three, you were created to become like Christ. Romans 8, 28 and 29 says that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. I was created, you were created by his purpose and for his purpose. And that purpose is to glorify and to praise him. And, and as we mature in our faith, as we grow spiritually, and as we become more like Christ, we're actually doing what God, is, what God wants us to do. Being conformed to his likeness is becoming like Christ. It's not so much important what happens outwardly in your life. It's important what happens inwardly in your life. In Christ, we find, we find out who we are and what we are living for. Ephesians 1 through 11. Number four is you were shaped for serving God. Touched on that just a second ago. But 1 Corinthians 12, 4, 7 says that there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all people. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So the Holy Spirit gives each Christian a gift or gifts for the common good or the common benefit for the profit of all believers. And now, again, it's just my opinion, but I, th I think there's a difference between purpose and... I can tell you what your purpose is. I may not be able to tell you what... Actually, I can't tell you what your gift is. But I can certainly help you find out what it is. And I would be more than happy to help you find out what it is. Sometimes you just need to try something. Sometimes you just need to do something and see if you're good at it, see if you enjoy it. That's how we find out what our gifts are. Um, I was you know, trying to think a little bit about different, uh, I guess, positions, I don't know, different things that people do, different talents. Uh, but I know, and I've often said this, and I, and I say it especially to these people that do it. David's up there right now. Katie's up there a lot. Reagan's up there a lot. To me, when I'm leading singing, the most important person in this auditorium is that person sitting up there at the computer and clicking those slides, okay? Uh, I, I realize that's not a, a, a big, huge talent, 
but that is an important part of this whole congregation. That's an important part of, of so even if your gift is to click, a, click you know, the, the, the down arrow button, um, that, that's a gift. You can use that. Um, I'm grateful for, I think there's about 10 guys on our, um, uh, actually a couple of women, I believe, too, on our open and close uh, uh, committee, the people that come and open everything up, uh, get everything set up, get the communion out, uh, and then close up after we leave. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about whether the doors are locked or anything along that line because somebody does that. Somebody is giving of their time. Um, I, the communion bread, several of you are, are uh, ladies bake, maybe some of you guys too, bake communion bread. I think there's so many that do that that your time only comes around about, what, once every, twice a year, twice a year. So, uh, and, and uh, that's just great that, you know, you take a little bit of time to serve in that capacity. And, and teachers, especially teachers of children, I spent three weeks up in the uh, fourth and fifth grade boys class, and, and it was fun. <laughs> that's not me. That's not my gift. Um <laughs> I, I would much rather I would much rather uh, teach adult. I, I'd rather I'd rather preach <laughs> than teach than teach little kids. Um, but uh, but you know if you have a gift, you need to use it. Um, God has built something in every one of us that is not simply for us. It's not simply for me to enjoy, uh, but it's so that others can profit from, not take advantage of but profit from what God has worked into us. Because it's not about me. It's about what I can do. It's about how I can bless you. Every one of us was made to make a contribution, not just be a consumer. So that goes back to, that goes back to, to fellowship. That goes back to membership. That goes back to uh, partnership. Um, being a part of, taking, taking some kind of a role not just coming here and, and being a passive, passive participant. Number five, you were made for a mission. And I came across a story, and um, there, was a, there was a monk who um, got to deal with the, with the monasteries this morning. There was a monk who, uh, this was in Germany, and uh, he was at this monastery, and um, he was, um, you know, doing whatever they told him to do. But one of the things he did not want to do is he did not want to speak in chapel. So he thought, well, I'm going to take care of this. So he went to the prior and he said, you know, I will scrub toilets. I will cook meals. I will rake the yard. I will do whatever you want me to do. But please do not ask me to speak in chapel. So the prior thought, well, that's probably just exactly what he needs to do. So he said, okay, well, then tomorrow I want you to preach the sermon. So he went home and, or went back to his room, his quarters or whatever, and thought, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. What am I going to speak about? I have no idea. So he got up the next morning, chapel service. He got up, stood up before everybody. He looked out at his brothers and he said, do you guys know what I'm going to talk about? And everybody shook their head, no. And he said, well, neither do I. So let's stand for the blessing and we'll be dismissed. <laughs> okay, the prior was pretty angry. So he went up to him and he said, okay, that's not going to do. This is what you need. This is what you need to grow. Tomorrow, you're going to come back and you're going to preach. You're going to give the lesson in the chapel. So the next day, gets up, stands before his brothers. Do you know what I'm going to talk about? And, some, and everybody said, 
And they shook their head, yes. They said, okay, good. Well, let's stand for the blessing. We'll be dismissed. <laughs> so, of course, now by this time, the prior's livid. And uh, he's just, you know, boiling with anger. And he says, okay, you get one more chance or I'm going to put you in solitary just to eat bread and water. So uh, the next day he gets up, looks out at his brothers, same question. Do you know what I'm going to talk about? Some said no, and some said yes, or shook their head yes. He said, okay, well, the, those of you that know, tell those of you that don't know, and let's stand for the blessing and we'll be dismissed. <coughs> I don't really know what the moral of that story is, but <laughs> other than not all of us are called to preach, okay? Brother Lawrence was not called to the clergy. He was called to the monastery. He was called to be a monk. He spent most of his days in the kitchen. And actually, at, toward the end of his time there, he ended up uh, as a um, uh, fixing sandals uh, for the rest of the, um, uh, of the monks in, in, the, in, the, in the monastery. But not all of us are called to preach, but all of us are called to be witnesses. Acts, um, Acts 1, 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. A witness is simply someone who reports. A witness is simply someone who shares what they've seen, what they've heard, or what they've experienced. We don't have to be great theologians. We can work in the kitchen, just like Brother Lawrence did and witness the love of God, witness what Christ has done for us. The, the series that Scott just ended was called Gifted. It just kind of sort of worked out that this sort of ties in with that. But um, he highlighted, we highlighted a lot of things that God has given us, and ultimately that culminated in our Christmas Eve service uh, with um, when we all stood here in the dark, uh, all holding our candles and singing. And at the end of that, he challenged us. He said, you know, you've been given a gift. We have. We've been given the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he challenged to take that light and go out and share that gift. Well, I came across this uh, proverb. It's an old Danish proverb. And it says, what you are is God's gift to you. What you do with yourself is your gift to God. So my challenge to us as we enter into this new year is we've been given a gift. We know that. Our purpose is to praise the God, our God in everything that we do. So I want to challenge you as this new year rolls in is to share that gift, share that love and share that story of redemption with everyone that is around you. And may everything that you do, just like Brandon said in his prayer, big or small, may all of it be done for the glory of God. Let's stand and sing.